Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of October 2019. We often have to come to conclusions by ourselves and it's much easier to be given the conclusions to come to that actually come to them by ourselves because if you really understood what's happening and really under and really knew it what's happening in the world today and incredible massive movements all controlled by the same hub and I mean massive movements and, and cultures across the planet and amalgamations of businesses corporations countries even and governments of course this intergovernmental ideas that's been floating around for a long time being implemented to end national sovereignty admitted to it sometimes by declassified documentation and and also boasted about by some of the the, the players even though the players who boast are high above governments and yet below those who rule the planet and when you you realize what's really happening and the incredible and i mean really incredible Effort and money and uh, manpower, put it that way, employee power, if you, if you like, the, and massive think tanks and organizations and, and huge bureaucracies that are not elected by the people running the whole planet. It, it, it really is staggering. That's just it, staggering. I can remember different people in the past trying to get through the system of what they called at the time uh, the conspiracy that runs the world when things don't make sense to you with the wars that go on and so on and the reasons that you're given for wars and all that kind of thing it doesn't make any sense to you it doesn't make any sense either why you're, you're asked every few years to vote for governors over your nation who and these same people are in an, in some other little secret within a, 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 a this this world secret. They're, they're already pre-selected, and Carl Quigley, of course, went into a lot of that. The Pharisees were were pretty well forced to go through to elect people in who would go along with what we know is a, a plan, a pre-planned system of the destruction of nations. That that is the plan. And long time ago, people went into the different organizations that seemed to be at the root of it all. And they're all right. Every one of them is quite correct. They go into the, the, the low orders of things like Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is an international brotherhood, number one, you see. International is a key. But also, Freemasonry is a, is a great sifting field to recruit people who are sworn to keep secrets and they get tested and tested as they go up the ranks or the degrees and they're graded, literally, that's the term, you're graded and if you're, if you're worthy to keep secrets and be entrusted with secrets and you've gone to the, had the, right, had the right education and to the right um, universities and so on, they might select you to put you up the ladder as a technocrat, for instance. If you're, if you're awfully, awfully good at the field in which you're encouraged to go into. And they are encouraged to go into certain fields. They're, they're sussed out and, and their future's planned for them before they even pick the, the, the career for themselves. And so you, you get the low orders of that's it, the sifting ground. Find them, you see. Organizations are awfully good for finding them. So, so are established colleges and high schools even. CIA have often tapped out people in, in these places. It's quite common before they even get a degree. A lot of them don't even bother getting a degree, they're pulled right into civil service, for instance. And all countries use the same techniques, and the British Commonwealth countries are no exception. So we to secrecy, and we're all paid to do so. And in no time at all, uh, through the establishment and the system they're brought into, and when they're selected uh, as young people, they're given lots of little perks and bonuses and privileges, and introduced to the, the better people, the, the, the better class of people, put it that way. And in no time at all, they feel like they're part of it. And of course, look down, the general population are inferior to them from then on, even their own families. And again, Bertrand Russell went through that, that whole system a long time ago. 
you say when you're selected, if you have the the, the, the right kind of things that are after, you have to forget your family and the, the class that you came from. That was that was a necessity. So you, you you're brought in through different 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 areas, and you're selected and pre-selected, and so on. all families too. Uh, there are families which are literally intergenerational bureaucrats that are far more important to, to an extent uh, in countries than elected leaders. Because the bureaucrats, when they get in charge of whole massive departments and for economics and, and, and your agendas for progress and business, and that's awfully imp- that's a powerful position. And they, they, often, they like to select them from within pre-existing bureaucratic families. In fact, they're encouraged to intermarry, in fact, within the bureaucratic class that they're introduced to. And most countries go along the same way. So you have the, the law orders of sifting people out. There's many ways to find the people that are after, you see. And then the organizations which they join, that are approved organizations, is, is a, again a selection process that can be pulled out of. So you start off with, uh, you know, even masonry too, the average person going into Freemasonry. The secrets they're pulled into is, is really the ability to easily tell you the system you're living in as an ordinary person. Ordinary person. And here's what marriage will do for you, including the pain that might come with it. And so on. It's really it's a form of a brotherhood, sure. But also it gives you the plus and the minus of everything that you're going to do in life. The good things, the bad things, and the cost of things, basically, to yourself and all the rest of it. And it was designed in such a way to get around all the, the, the obvious feelings in a society that was dominated at one, one time by religion, mainly Christianity at one time. And so they would give you the, the, the humanistic direction to go through, to steer through the, the culture of Christianity in which you lived at one time. It's very secretive at one time. And that's why it was looked down upon, because it was meant to be a revolutionary force at one time too. Today we, we have interlocking circles of all kinds of pre-selected people. Uh, that's what Carol Quigley talked about. It wasn't just, uh, say, the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is one massive organization that started off uh, this, this world commonwealth idea from the Milner Group that ran it all before they even had a name for it. It was, it was just called the, the, the Kindergarten, where Milner's young uh, revolutionaries were recruited and trained for this global system, an empire system and how they would run it. But it wasn't just uh, taking over for power, it was to make sure that they themselves would collect all the wealth from those countries. And through collection of wealth, you see, that the families involved could, could, could keep acquiring wealth and across the whole planet, and the wealth then would be used to shape a world uh, still under the control of these few people, basically. Relatively few people. And in the U.S. they called it the CFR, Concerned Foreign Relations. They have an institute for, for Europe, of course, the European branch now of the European Institute for International Affairs, which is the European branch for politicians in Europe, to the European Parliament to, to belong to as well, you see, along, alongside the Parliament. And they have one for the, for the Pacific regions, with Japan, having a central hub there with top people too, and New Zealand and Australia is all part of it, and some in China now as well. So th- th- this is a, a secret society, or a secretive society. They'll publish magazines and so on, and often give out quite some good details about themselves when they're, on a, on, when they're rolling high, or riding high, because they, they, they get a bit careless. Folk, folk love to boast and it's when people boast that you really learn things, things that slip out, when they feel safe to do so. It's imperative not to forget what they say in these times. Because in a month's time, or even a week's time, it can all be suddenly brushed under the rug and forgotten about, deliberately so. You can remember that Carl Quigley himself said that he wrote his book, Tragedy and Hope, along with the Anglo-American Establishment book, 
there's the title of the other one. And giving you a bit of the history of this empire building agenda that was passed on to the US eventually. But he, he went through the reasons for giving it out. Now he was given access to the archives of the Council on Foreign Relations, the basically the, the as I say, the American branch, and uh, it's now the North American branch, not just the U.S. one, of the the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It doesn't go down well, Royal in in, in America, so they so they call it the Council on Foreign Relations. Wealthy families, of course, again people who. Were, were, were told they're for old families, the same ones that, that belonged to the old Milner group and so on, who would accumulate the wealth, be front people for the organizations. I mean this. It's, they always give you front people, but they make them real multimillionaires, at least have to give them money to play with for a while, because they have a big agenda to implement in their tenure, put it that way. And they are certainly well rewarded. Money is a, a tool to them to, to govern the world. And so they're, they're famous for giving. Just like the CIA, which is a branch of it now, by the way, uh, put out front people and, or, and real front organizations. There are genuine organizations that make things. Even the computer industry or even the technology industry or just ownership of it. <laughs> and they give you the people that, that they tell you are just uh, awfully, awfully, awfully clever. But their whole intention is to shape the world and have you all follow along behind it, you see. That's how it's done. Revolution is an important thing to understand because there's a reason, if you look down through revolutionary history, that, that, that even though many people can be involved in the creation of a system through revolution, they always give you a hero figure, an individual to follow. Because humans need that. that we, you can't relate to a faceless bureaucracy. It's a basic, simple thing, but a tribal leader type idea, you'll follow them. And that's why even in the 20th century, uh, they gave you Lenin. You see the great hero Lenin. Uh, before that, they, they tell you that Marx was this great. The whole teams of folk put together the Communist Manifesto. It wasn't just Karl Marx. An organization behind them was huge at the time too. But they give you the individual to, to worship because you relate to the individual, as I say, but not to a faceless bureaucracy. And then they gave you Lenin, and then they gave you Stalin, and and the typical totalitarian regimes. You, you have the massive posters of Stalin everywhere you looked, and even in the in the the close, called them closes or or the, the hallways going into buildings, basically the entrances into buildings. You see the pictures everywhere. And there's his eyes staring back at you, this genius, you see, he's this godlike character. And George Orwell or Blair in 1984 had that done pretty well, down pat, uh, of how it worked. And then you had Adolf Hitler too, uh, the, the individual. But don't forget the Nazi, the National Socialist Party existed before Hitler really came along. Well, it morphed into that name eventually. And the same thing happens right down, and, and you, had, you had the same thing with uh, Matt Zitong, Matt Zitong, and um, and then Chairman Mao, of course, Chairman Mao, Matt Zitong, and they called him for a while. It was an old uh, movie with Gregory Peck in it called The Chairman, of how he, uh, the CIA guy, he goes over to uh, communist China. Uh, and they tried to, the Chinese tried to recruit this guy because he's a scientist, and, and it shows you how cunning, and, and, but it gives you some ideas of, of the totalitarian mentality, of course, which is true of all regimes, and I really mean all regimes, even the one you're taught, the ones you're taught to love at home, if you, if you still love them, that is. <laughs> because uh, there's a scene in it where the chairman says to Gregor Peck, he says, but the people are, you know, they're, they're, they're Many people, many people must die in times of revolution. Millions, so what, you know. And uh, Peck's trying to tell him about them being in individual lives. And, and the chairman was saying, no, 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 they're irrelevant, blah, blah, blah. Well, that is socialism, of course. But socialism is the technique or the system that was chosen to bring in global government, basically. Because that's how we're looked upon. We're all numbers today. We're, we are little individual numbers. 
and we live in our individual bubbles like Quigley and many others have said before that. And Rockefeller said, to, you live in your own little bubble of you. You, you see. And, and you relate through this bubble to everyone around you, but through the bubble from the center, the nucleus of the bubble, which is you. And you can't imagine a world without you in the center. You're there. You're, who else would experience it? Only you can experience it because you are the experiencer in your life. Just like you're born, that's your birth. And you have something unique to it. It's your death. Then it's no one else's, it's yours. Even if many folk were killed at the same time around you or died at the same, it's still your death, you know. But you go through life in this little bubble. And meanwhile, you have all these huge organizations, circles within circles, all inter interlapping with each other in the corners or, or the edges of these circles. There's no corners and circles, but each part of the circles are linked over. It's kind of like the, the symbol on the Olympic Games with the rings. And that's exactly how you're run by these organizations. And it's not accidental. Tremendous organization over a long period of time with unfathomable wealth since they own most of the wealth on the planet. And they can print up any, any numbers of, of dollars or pounds or whatever, whatever the currency happens to be that they wish to. And they do to get things done. Now, it's quite easy to be a tyrant, one of many tyrants in an organization, if you come up through a system which trains his subjects to, be, to believe that they're honest and good and very modern and ethical and human and humane. You can bring in people who, and once you give them a whole tenet of beliefs they follow from whatever it happens to be, a whole, whole system of beliefs, they can be easily encouraged that they're doing their, the, the best of all things to, for, the, for the sake of society as they enrich themselves too, naturally. But the, 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 it's easy to have them say, like the chairman in that movie I mentioned there, uh, said that the people have to die and be sacrificed to the cause and, and so on, and that individuals really don't matter. And that is the collectivist mantra, basically, done through all kinds of collectivist societies. Communistic, socialistic, it's all the same thing. I think Lenin said the same thing about communism. He said... He says communism is only socialism in a hurry Because it always ends up there, you see And so you have to understand what you're living in But again, don't forget, as I've mentioned so many times The organization that runs this world It really does run the world And it met, this organization met in the 1800s and the 1700s To discuss planning and plan the future With the industrialists of his time and it got bigger and bigger, and it basically ended up giving you the modern governments that you have today. Because they stack it all with low-level members, generally. And again, they can always say it's for, the, it's, for the, it's for the good of humankind, as they enrich themselves. For example, you had Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes, again trained by one of his mentors, was Ruskin. He said the, the whole idea was to an, an empire with benevolent purposes, should run the poor unfortunates of the world, you know, bring them up to higher standards. But what they were also meaning, it was, it was a right of those in, in London at the time, and these organizations uh, that, that uh, Cecil Rhodes himself went into as a member until he dominated one of the, the organizations, that they would help, they would help take the diamonds and gold uh, out of Africa, different parts of Africa, South Africa, and other areas, and they would use it for the right purposes, enriching themselves, making themselves very rich and powerful, and then they would, they would dictate and gather basically massive bureaucracies, privately owned bureaucracies, that would run and govern uh, nations of the world. As I say, it's much older than, than, than Cecil Rhodes, because previous organizations ran the Commonwealth, the British, or Dominion, they called it in Canada, and then branches out into the, before the, the U.S. was given its independence, basically. And they're owned by private corporations, remember. Like the East India Company owned them. You had, you had the Hudson's Bay Company, all chartered corporations. And these, these, they had their own military and their own police. And they had them across the world, too, in India and other places. 
private, privately owned, fully fledged military. We forget these things. And it's a nuisance when you have to get, get the folk used to an idea of democracy. But it's the easiest way to get them to go along with things, thinking that they're part of something themselves now. Otherwise, you might get revolutions. So make them, give them a vote and say that you're in democracy now. And uh, they'll go along with it, you see. But nothing changed, because above the democracy, you've always had the private, massive organizations. They did not go away and had no intentions of going away. <laughs> the only intention was to, to con the public. As mentioned before, how the, the, the OSS blossomed into the CIA for the US. And it was MI6 in Britain for overseas, supposedly overseas, spy work and, and intelligence work. But these, are, these really are still the same organizations that, uh, that run the planet. You don't elect them. Uh, the governments themselves can't even figure out what they're doing half the time. And they know not to, to pry and ask, because everybody in government knows that their, their bread and butter will be lavishly applied to them, uh, lots of butter. Uh, if they don't ask questions, that's why they're selected. The lower-level psychopaths. And then you even had occasional inquiries into organizations and big foundations like the, especially the Rockefeller Foundation, they were rather blatant about it, and and uh, old Rockefeller himself, he, he found it. The CIA would often go to Rockefeller family for for money, for secret jobs and quiet jobs, because it was one and the same organisation. You understand this? The great philanthropist was another big, massive front for a private club with incredible wealth, who didn't believe in competition and free markets. And they never have believed in it. And David Rockefeller said that competition is a sin. He's telling the truth from his point of view and the organizations to which he belonged. You're always given your, your instant successes that come out of nowhere. And great myths are built up around them. They're geniuses or thrifty or whatever it is. Utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. It's as much nonsense as Carnegie coming over from Scotland and just hitting the right bunch of little pals that he met and suddenly he became a massive overseer of huge steel mills and raw materials and all the rest of it. Incredible wealth. No, no, no. These are, they're made to be front men and they're made to be wealthy, absolutely, because they say money is nothing to the groups that run the world. Remember the documentary that came out with Halliburton with the first Gulf War as they called it, Desert Storm. And they showed you Halliburton, a massive organization that supposedly supplied all the things necessary to run the country when it was under warfare scenarios, uh, look after the military, feed them, even put up fresh water filtration systems supposed to across the countries. And they're bringing resources out of those countries. You wouldn't believe how much, too. And they showed you them flying in pallets, the skid pallets, like six feet high, one after another, but with freshly printed cash, American money, billions of dollars, to fund various enterprises over there. Nothing was accounted for. They actually said it in the documentary by those involved. Money's nothing to them. Really. And it really makes a mockery of this balance of monetary accountancy and... Uh, and how much you're in the hole because you owe so much and all that. Nonsense. If they keep just printing it up just like that and don't even bother noting it down to what happens to it, then the extra cash has flooded the market eventually. But it's well worth seeing. But again, getting back to it, you're run by systems, all interlinked like a pyramid, literally a pyramid, the true pyramid scheme that cannot fail, like, like the, the low-level pyramid schemes. The, 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 the capsule at the top that runs it all, like a, like a super government, obviously. And everything below, every layer of stones below it, of bricks below that pyramid, everyone is well uh, observed and, 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 uh, and run and organized. And with a tremendous 
information feed up to the top, back up to the, the cap of the pyramid. That's how it's run. Interlocking. And then the Rees Commission, too. The Rees Commission showed that, too, with the big tax-exempt foundations. Now, the big magnets that they set up again, Ford, Carnegie, and, uh, and many others, and Rockefeller Institute and so on, tax-free foundations that could invest everywhere, and all the money came in was tax-free to them, so they kept accumulating incredible wealth. And in the Rees Commission, I think it was Norman Dodd, interviewed the head of the Ford, I think it was the Ford Foundation at that time. He was asked, he said, would you like to know what we do? And Dodd says, yeah. He says, but they use it for grant-making powers, because they, they fund all kinds of think tanks, as I say, in masses of privately owned bureaucracies, basically, across the planet, in every country. And the creation of non-governmental organizations, vast armies that will push and demand certain things from governments as though they were legitimate grassroots organizations. With their grant-making powers, we can eventually blend and merge the Soviet system, the communistic collectivistic system, with that of the West. Again, that's where you're in, folks, if you haven't figured it out yet. And it should be kept more and more obvious all the time. Because the elite have always wanted, eventually, the whole world to be run in a socialistic manner. It's much easier for them. It's dictatorial, and you obey. But the, but the technique that they're using, which they tried out in China, with social credit systems and self-policing, you'll be tra trained, you'll train yourself to go along with everything. And you'll get little fringe benefits and all that too, if you go along. But it's still, it's not a free society. You're free to go along with it, that's about it. But that's the system you're, you're living in. And that is, if you still believe in democracy and that your governments are your, yours, then you truly do. Oh, it's going to be coming up, they're Father Christmas, coming up again shortly. You, you probably believe in that too, you know. You couldn't have as much evidence as you have today. It's hitting you like bricks from a thousand directions, if your eyes are open. <laughs> and it's astonishing that people still fall for all. The world, yeah, is looking at the moment, uh, at the driving force, for, it's been for a while in a way, of the U.S., that was to take over from Britain and did it for the policing the world, as he called it. Although the world can't fathom what it nerfed us up to most of the time because the military in the U.S. has been used for, again, other purposes to acquire wealth from other nations which will invade. And it's invasions, of course it is, that no one's ever, ever explained yet what the Vietnam War was about except to bring down the U.S. a peg or two by not allowing it to win. It should have been there in the first place. And they all know that, too. But it shattered a whole generation who really believed in this system, who really believed if they were getting sent there, it must be for an awfully good cause. And then they were left to hang up high, you know, high and dry. And it was the only war, the first war, I should say, anyway, that came back and there was no, there was no flower petals and ticker tape parades and so on floating out of the sky for them. Instead, they were cursed because at home they were training the young in the universities to hate them. That's a dialectic at work, you see. Most folk never figure out what they're living in or what the reasons that they're living in that these things are really for. Remember, too, that the Vietnam War, what it did was, run by the CIA, was to get masses of drugs brought back into the U.S., for black budget operations for the CIA. And they literally were stuffing the bodies of U.S. dead servicemen. And, and this, is, this is all, um, this, this isn't conspiracy theory, this, this is all admitted to. But of course, they were, oh, they were just bad, bad guys who were doing that. Oh yeah, sure. Now, these guys were bringing in stacks of, of heroin and, and inside the bodies of the servicemen. And it was to fund more wars across the world, revolutions and, and so on. But maybe we should go back to one phase and one stage of the organization or the front or one of its arms, put it that way, of, of this organization that was running the world 
with all the, the socialistic terminology used at the very, very top. And, and, uh, and also the eugenics uh, departments were involved in it too because it sees us all as a collective, you see. Different types of humans or different layers of humans right down to the bottom. And you're not an individual in it. You're just a, a mass in your own little, you know, your degree, your layer of it, basically. That's how you're, you're seen by this group. And they see themselves as being scientific at the top. And um, you'll find as well that the H.U. Wells belong to as a propagandist, as I've mentioned this before, uh, in the early 20th century, even before the 20th century came along. He was pushing for free love when he was young in the 1800s. And as he was picked up and trained for his position, and he became a front person and a spokesperson for this revolutionary movement too, where they bring in a, a collectivist society. He said in a, a modern utopia, he, he wrote novels, in fact, fictional novels, but he also wrote a lot of non-fiction of how the world would be under the socialistic system and run by scientists, basically running all on behalf of those at the top, the dominant minority who owned it all. And he said in a modern utopia, it was like a, a look into the future in his book and how it would be run. And he said that, uh, of course, we still had the, the, the last of the, the old types, the inferior types of humans dying off. But rather than just kill them all, like they, like they considered at one time through either uh, um, methods of, well, I guess he was talking about ways of getting poisons into them or sterilizing them or whatever. But he said that was what they eventually decided to do, was to basically sterilize them all so they couldn't breed. And that was more humane, let them die off naturally, rather than just kill them to get them out of the way. But he was a rather ruthless character and very dogmatic about it too. Of how it must be this way, and he uh, he was all for the wars that were coming along, and he 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 worked again just like a marketer at the time, drumming up terms to defame the enemy, and the coming enemies, and he came up with the Hun, and they used that in lots of their, their slogans against Germany at the time: dehumanize the enemy, and it's easier to kill them as not being human. That's what you do. But pretty well every big player you've heard of has been a part of this system. And again, the, the different levels. If you, if you look at the pyramid, you'll see on the dollar bill as an example. And they, they copied that from much, much older engravings of the same thing long before them, uh, from the, long before even the U.S. was created. But uh, you, you look at the different levels of, of bricks. You'll see these are levels, these are degrees, these are grades, you see. And... The whole idea was to that each one would be under a, a superior command above it until you got to the capstone at the very top, the perfected ones, you see. And that's what it means, the perfecti, the perfected ones, at the top who ran it all. And they were perfected because, you see, they didn't do things for a nasty reason. They might kill whole nations through genocide, but it's for a good reason. And it was through necessity and for necessity. And they'd always rationalize whatever they did, and that's how they do it today. Just like Russell had no qualms about talking about diet injections and injunctions would be used to, to sterilize the public or even kill them, all their own classes of people. They're quite blatant about it. They, have no, they don't have problems sleeping at night. Psychopaths never do. So let's just touch on something, because I'm all over the map. I don't prepare things really... Uh, I just go, as I go along, I'll just punch up one thing or two things that are remembered here or there. But if you go into World Order, I've mentioned it before, and it's called Hard Road to World Order. And it's a Council on Foreign Relations article in their magazine, I think it was 1974 maybe. The writer, who was a journalist at the time too, and worked for this, again, the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, in the Foreign Affairs magazine that they, they own. And don't forget, they, they, again, they're like, they're like kind of like Freemasons. You, they're a, a sifting area where you sift out the ones that you want into higher orders. Uh, and they themselves, mind you, are still called the establishment. Anybody who's anybody has to at least belong to the CFR in America and Canada. But they can be pulled higher up into the, into the, into the Trilateral Commission and a few other organizations above that too. That's really how it works. Again, the layer system of the pyramid, you see. But anyway, you, you, you'll find that uh, they talked about 
how people were, were, were the, the people in, in Europe didn't want a union. They wanted a, an agreement was okay. They go along with an agreement to do with some sort of trade and so on, but they didn't want to have be run and ruled by a central governmental system, which was planned, of course, by the CIA, for those who didn't know that. At least it would be implemented by the CIA. Winston Churchill talked about United Europe too at the beginning of World War II. Uh, he said this, this is maybe a great thing. He says we might get our long-hoped-for ambition of a United Europe under a, a, a one system, basically, he's talking about. Well, the, that, that came to pass with the CIA in about 1948 and then in the 50s again, where it was the, the people in uh, the European countries and the bureaucracies were given special departments secretly set up to, to start integration uh, processes with big bureaucracies that would then merge the countries into one system under the pretense of just a trading league, you see, and an economic league. But it was really to, to blend them into a single parliament. And again, you can go back into Karl Marx talking about the same idea long before that, eh? in the 1800s. You're living through, and things seem like deja vu or, 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 or Groundhog Day. It's because you've seen, you get whiffs of the same darn things over and over again until they get what they want, you see. And it's not being paranoid to, to, to just notice these things. It's, it's rather, it means you're broken out of, your, of the perfect indoctrination you've had, if you understand it. Anyway, this writer says, in the hard road to world order, the hopeful aspect of the present situation, even though people didn't want the, the, the a union idea in 1974, is that even as nations resist appeals for world government and the surrender of sovereignty, how often have you heard that in the last 10 years? This is the 1970s, right? Technological, economic and political interests are forcing them to establish more and more far-reaching arrangements to manage their mutual interdependence. That's the term you heard right through the 70s and through Maggie Thatcher's reign to interdependence, they called it, which means you're giving up chunks of your national sovereignty and merging it, and you're interdependent. You can't be independent in any area, even feeding yourselves. They wouldn't allow that. You had to be interdependent, so nobody could just pull out without suffering, maybe catastrophe, in fact. It is instructive to ponder the institutional implications of the negotiations to which nations were already committed before the the so-called energy crisis preempted international attention in the fall of 1973. Now, I'll just go off for a minute here and say that's when they created the, the fake energy crisis. It was actually, I think it was OPEC countries or, who, uh, in Arabic countries in Saudi Arabia, were actually punishing the West for backing Israel with the, with the different wars that were going on in the Middle East at the time. That's really what it was. It was there was no shortage of oil. It was just getting held back. But they always, you never let a good crisis go to waste for their agendas, you see. So they blamed the public, oh, they were getting to peak oil and all that nonsense. It's all nonsense. But in Britain, they did issue ration cars for gasoline, for those who didn't know that. Anyway, it says, although some of these tasks of institution building may be complicated or postponed by the energy problem, or now continuing fixtures of the diplomatic agenda. So there is a diplomatic agenda, you see. And it says the non-communist nations are embarked on a long-term negotiation for the reform of the international monetary system aimed at developing a new system of reserves and settlements to replace the dollar standard and improving the balance of payments adjustment process. The accomplishment of these objectives would almost surely require a revitalization of the international monetary fund, which would have unprecedented powers to create new international reserves and to influence national decisions on exchange rates and on domestic monetary and fiscal policies. It goes on and on. And, and you've seen that too with the BRIC nations in the, in, in the last 10 years or so. The same thing, right? It's, it's really something, eh? But again, he, this guy goes on, he, he says this before, before the last part that is mentioned there, they're talking about the, the world order. How do you get to world order, right? How do you get there if people aren't going to go along with it, you see? It says, if instant world government, charter review, 
and a greatly strengthened international court do not provide the answers, what hope for progress is there? The answer will not satisfy those who seek simple solutions to complex problems, but it comes down essentially to this. The hope for the foreseeable future lies not in the building up of a few ambitious central institutions of universal membership and general jurisdiction, as was envisaged at the end of the last war, but rather in the much more decentralized, disorderly and pragmatic process of inventing or adapting institutions of limited jurisdictions and selected membership, important part of selected membership, to deal with specific problems on a case-by-case basis as a necessity for cooperation is perceived by the relevant nations. Such institutions of limited jurisdiction will have a better chance of doing what must be done to make a rule of law possible amongst nations, providing methods for changing the law and enforcing it as it changes and developing the perception of common interests that is the prerequisite for successful cooperation. In short, the house of world order will have to be built from the bottom up rather from the top down. It will look like a great booming, buzzing confusion, to use William James' famous uh, description of reality, but an end run around national sovereignty. Eroding it piece by piece will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. Of course, for political as well as administrative reasons, some of these specialised arrangements should be brought into an appropriate relationship the central institutions of the United Nations system, but the main thing is that the essential functions be performed. The question is where this more modest approach can do the job. Can it really bring mankind into the 21st century with reasonable prospects for peace, welfare, and human dignity? See how they can always rationalize in a, in a secretive organization, which they're sworn to, which rewards them awfully well. They can rationalize anything at all. It's for, it's for the peace and welfare of our mankind, right? So, an end run around national sovereignty. In other words, basically, <laughs> it's really amazing. These characters run your governments. They make sure that their members are placed inside your governments. There hasn't been a prime minister or a president in the United States, or maybe not many, anyway, that have been members of this organization. And yet here they are dealing with that, with basically what would be called treason for the people. If the, if the people really had a nation and it was theirs, then these characters are really committing treason. Because the people should be given the education to allow them to know what's going on completely. No, no secrets, just the truth of it. The basic bare bone stuff. And let them make their own minds up for it. I mean, the, the closest nation you have for that is Switzerland that gives the people a vote on anything which really, really matters to them. They'll get a vote on it. You see? But here's these characters here. They know better what's good for you. So they claim. These are the guys who brought you world wars, remember, to get their goals through. Don't forget that. These are the guys who believe in eugenics and inferior types and, 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 and superior types of humanity. Don't forget that either. These are the guys who believe uh, uh, that they should just teach you to work hard and, and try to save money and, uh, and be thrifty and all that absolute fiction that, that, that you're trained to believe in. Uh, and uh, that, that's how they get to the, to the top, right? It's just through being thrifty. Yeah? Utter nonsense and rubbish. And, they, and yet at the top there, they, they just print the cash up. How much do you want? Just put that in, in so-and-so's account, make them a, a hero or a genius, whatever, whatever the, the con is going to be, and the people will follow them. But you should just save your pennies and work hard and be thrifty, right? But that, that's how the world is really run uh, by these organizations who admit it themselves. And here they are telling you what they're doing. These, 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 these people are the establishment, the CFR, for Americas. It's astonishing to me that folk just don't quite get it, you know? As I've mentioned before, too, Bertrand Russell's a member of it. And he had no time either for the ordinary people, the working class. He used them. And a lot of people followed him, the working class. Because at least he talked about, oh, the wars, you don't want war, you want to give up everything for peace, 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 peace. And they didn't quite understand that, that he wanted rid of them too, the people as well. But the impact of science and society, on page 50, he says that uh, Fichte, I've heard that this, this character mentioned say, Fichte and, and Fichte, so we can 
Take your pick as how you want to, to pronounce it. But, but the Fichte laid it down that education should aim at destroying free will. That's what Bertrand Russell put in there. He's one of his heroes was, was Fichte or Fichte. So that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise uh, than as their schoolmasters would have wished. But in his day, this was an unattainable ideal. What he regarded as the best system in existence produced Karl Marx. In the future, such failures are not likely to occur when there is dictatorship, diet, injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable and any serious criticism of the powers that will become psychologically impossible. So you won't be able to criticize the powers at all. Uh, even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves to be happy because the government will tell them that they are so and a totalitarian government with a scientific bent might do things that to us would seem horrifying. But he's all for that. He thought that's their right to do so. You, you see, you're, you're just little creatures, like animals to them. That's all you are. They've studied you and you behave like this and you behave like that and you're, you're categorized and there you go. Now, Let's look at some of these articles here, a few of them anyway, maybe. Everyone knows that the system is completely, it's in flux, I'd say. And the flux is an appearance of chaos. That's what that previous author had said, not before Russell there. He said that it would be a big buzzing, almost chaotic type of scenario, but things are working behind it to make it so. Again, this Groundhog Day thing of the same wars, same wars that were published it to, to happen in the 1990s. The same list of our countries that were to be taken out by the U.S., primarily the U.S., with Britain perhaps involved, and France, of course, this is alliance again. They drafted it up, and the general came on Democracy Now! and waved or told what the list was. <laughs> he didn't believe it himself. It wasn't just to be Iraq, Iraq or a war with Afghanistan. It was to be Iraq and a whole bunch of other countries, too. Anyway, this anti-Iran alliance falters as Netanyahu, Trump, and MBS focus on their own predicaments. And I think that's from the Haretz there too. So there's a definite alliance, you see, that wants to get on with these wars, as you well know. Everybody knows this. And everybody will blame everybody else for the wars and for the groups that are making it happen. But there's much higher powers above even them doing this. I've never seen a list drawn up by the global governmental system that they don't get around to, to completing. It might take them years, they might have to go around things a bit or change a bit, but they'll get it done eventually. They don't change their minds or drop things. You, you run on, you're by a schedule, like a business plan, and that's how it's run, folks. Look at what they're given for news. And if you can't see that, that since even since the beginning of Trump getting in, the strange organizational media where they're all on board, bang, bang, bang. Now, if Trump had got on with these wars, this list of wars, if he got on with them, believe you me, he would not be the target of, of their, their hatred right now. They wouldn't happen. I'm not standing up for them. I'm just saying it, it wouldn't happen. Because, uh, again, the agenda would had Hillary in, and she would have kept using what Obama had used, and she'd used, too, these proxy armies of mercenaries brought in, they call them freedom fighters, or what they might call them, into, into Iraq and different places, or into Syria. And Trump, I think he really had an idea of getting the boots on the ground, American soldiers in. Anyway, it hasn't materialized. And so he's getting hammered and hammered and hammered. I don't care. I think if he got on with it and just got on with all these different wars, the heat would immediately leave him. And, uh, and you see what happened then. Chinese citizens will soon need to scan their face before they can access internet services or get a new phone number. Well, that'll come, that's coming in the West too. Now, in China, it's not like a dictate from the top. You will, you see. Uh, they're much more clever than that, and they use psychology too, and mass psychology and human behavior and all the rest of it. And they'll give you a little freebie this and freebie that, and little little taps in the head by free this and free that, or, or points for some card or whatever, just like they do in the West. And that's all you have to do in the West too, little things. And the folk will, will go along with anything at all, no problem. If they give you free something for doing something, unfortunately it works awfully well with most people. It's sad, that, isn't it? Isn't it really? 
Because as they're talking about us being just like little animals with little, little punishments and rewards, unfortunately they're showing that that part might be true. Isn't that kind of sad? Isn't it? Because we have the choice. We have the ability as humans to decide and have choices and say no. But again, you can go along with, oh, well, I saved some, you know, a few pennies here and a few pennies there. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, so I'll put two articles up on the facial recognition. And then artificial intelligence, of course, is coming down to eventually decide through scanning all your data if you could even get a job or get a loan, you know, or even end up in jail if you don't want to. That's the same system as, as China. It's so sad. It's so sad that folk have lost their, their, their people fought wars to get rights as individuals, and they gave it all away for a few points on, on some card or another. That'll save them a few bucks. That's so sad. Another one too. Former Google CEO Eric Schmidt believes biology is the next frontier in computing. Biology, you see. See, it isn't just everything they're designing and redesigning. It's you too along the way. That's what they want. Incredible. Again, these front people that they give you, that you're taught to follow, individuals, it's much better than faceless organizations or faceless massive bureaucracies privately owned, isn't it? They mentioned Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and his wife Priscilla Chan but donate $68 million. Doesn't that just sound astronomical? To support the mapping of all the cells in the human body. Yeah, it just, it's astonishing that these big ambitions, these people who suddenly come out as geniuses, you know, and well-financed and so on. Eh? But they want a whole agenda. And it's funny, too, that they're all on board with all the other instant uh, geniuses that you're, you're, you're presented with. They're incredibly rich. They're all on board with the same exact agendas, eh? Too many folk in the world would be much better if you didn't have children and yada, yada, yada. And you'd be healthy as long as you lived, and, but you don't want too many children, maybe none at all. And yada, 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 you know. <laughs> Do you vote for these folk? Are they, are they the new government folk? Eh? Are they the new government? And that's how they're presented to you, isn't it? Isn't that odd to the CFR said a few years ago? I may read an article in the air at the time. Years ago, and they, they said it's time now for the big philanthropists, the rich people of the world, to come forward to the rightful places and governance, governance over the people. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Elon Musk unveils plan to build mind-reading implants, and scientists have successfully implanted an artificial memory. No kidding. Hmm. There you go. Another one too. I don't hear a scene code forty-six. As uh, a movie, a fictional, but this, um, a little bit, a little bit, a few years ahead of now, actually, where they'd have genetically modified people, and it'd be taboo uh, to 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 intermarry or even have relations in a sexual way with a member uh, from the same uh, stem cell bunch as you, basically. <laughs> It was quite interesting how they did that too, but they could actually wipe your memory too uh, if you really took a fancy for someone that you're attracted to because really they, you, they could be a biological brother or sister or even your mother, you know, uh, in a new version created by technology, basically. We're seeing. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to, to, to see what's really, really going on. This mental well-being, too, is to deal with the, the natural fallout of a society that's lost its value system. You've lost your value system because your systems were deliberately destroyed, deliberately destroyed. And now, of course, folk turn to drugs or all kinds of things to try and give them escapism, often destructive. It didn't just happen recently. Even when I was young, too, it was already pretty well on the way out to the whole old system. Uh, that the war had destroyed, World War Two destroyed the values and a lot of the meanings for things. And and uh, and then you didn't have uh, much employment either. It was pretty bad. Then they gave you the EU and uh, and government really became a, a dictatorial system, really, with massive social work departments. And now they've got private ones as well to manage you. But here they are with this well-being. The whole idea is to make you f- be happy. I, I even said it years ago. I said, you know, do you realize that, that uh, 
in a virtual world, if they can get into your mind, they could, they could, you could be mucking out a barn or a buyer, as they call it, an animal, a sty, basically, mucking it out. And it, you, you, you're living a different fantasy in your head at the same time. You're not really in that place at all, mucking out that stuff covered in you-know-what. And uh, it, so well-being, it's a, it, no matter what you're doing, well be, as long as you feel happy about everything, you understand? This is artificial. This is the, the, you're a human being. You're a human being. I used to be held up as, as almost a sacred thing. And it really was. And the, the socialist, again, from the, the same organization that ran the old empire system into the present system, gave you Julian Huxley as a, a spokesperson for it. And he said, we have to, and he worked for UNESCO too, they helped set up that, and Planned Parenthood as well. And he said, uh, we have to knock hum- humans off their pedestal as a supreme uh, human being on the planet, a human physical being on the planet, and bring them down in order to do what we want to do to them. And it's happened. And certain things were untouchable, and the family was one. Again, Karl Marx had to destroy that, he said it. Family unit. The state should bring up and give the values to the children. The exact same thing as Bertrand Russell said much later. Same organization. You can get lost in terms of, well, one was a communist and one, you know, it's all the same system and they have many faces, folks. So here they support mental health, you see, mental well being, because they've destroyed everything that gave you purpose to things. This tremendous. Lostness in society today Is your purpose to suck on the teat of entertainment Until you die, is that what it is? That's not normal, is it? And again, it gives you the new values Through fiction Now the Euro-Federalists financed by the US This is from from the year 2000 I've got articles much before that Way before that, actually And other articles that came out uh, before this as well but declassified American government documents show that the U.S. intelligence community ran a campaign in the 50s and 60s to build a momentum for a united Europe. It funded and directed the European Federalist Movement. Now, it was, they also had the World Federalists, remember, too. It was the same organization from the same pyramid group, you know, we're talking about here. And they had the one for united Europe. And, of course, Eisenhower, we know that, too, Eisenhower. Uh, also demanded it, a uh, united Europe, because that was part of the agenda, and he was put into by the big boys. A guy who literally was just ran, ran up through the ranks to, to lead the combined armies and military of the world for World War Two. Anyway, so it's a document that confirms uh, suspicions uh, voiced at the time that America was working aggressively behind the scenes to push Britain into European state. One memorandum dated July 26, 1950, gives instructions for a campaign to promote a fully-fledged European Parliament. It is signed by General William Jai Donovan, head of the American Wartime Office of Strategic Services, precursor of the CIA. This is the Telegraph, by the way, from Britain, the newspaper. And uh, it's by Ambrose Evans Pritchard, who was in Brussels at the time. So the document was found by Joshua Paul, a researcher at Georgetown University in Washington. They include files released by the U.S. National Archives, and Washington's main tool for shaping the European agenda was the American Committee for a United Europe, a United Europe created in 1948. The chairman was Donovan, ostensibly a private lawyer by then. That's how he was promoted. The vice chairman was Alan Dulles, the CIA director in the 50s. And the board included Walter Bedell Smith, the CIA's first director, and a roster of ex-OSS figures and officials who moved in and out of the CIA. The documents show that the ACUE financed the European movement, the most important federalist organization in the post-war years. In 1958, for example, it provided 53.5% of the movement's funds. Then it created the European Youth Campaign, an arm of the European movement, was wholly funded and controlled by Washington. By the way, uh, you can go into common purpose today in, in Britain and the whole of Europe, and Britain's London is based. I used to do articles on them too, and that really is an, uh, uh, it took over from the European Youth Campaign, 
and they, they actually create future leaders for the European Parliament and the, gov- the government and bureaucracy system for a single governmental parliament. Anyway, the European Youth Campaign, an arm of the European movement, was wholly funded by, and controlled by Washington. The Belgian director, Baron Boel, received monthly payments into a special account. When the head of the European movement, Polish-born Joseph Rettinger, bridled at this degree of American control and tried to raise money in Europe, he was quickly reprimanded. The leaders of the European movement, Rettinger, the visionary Robert Schuman, and the former Belgian Prime Minister Paul Henry Speak or Spack, were all treated uh, like uh, hired hands by American sponsors. The U.S. role was handled as a covert operation. The ACUE's funding came from the, the Ford and Rockefeller Foundations, as well as business groups with close ties to the U.S. government. The head of the Ford Foundation, ex-OSS officer Paul Hoffman. By the way, it's an old, it's an old standard joke amongst intelligence agents back then too, and even afterwards, if you ever meet any of them. They used to call themselves the, the OSS officers, even when they, when they branched off into the CIA. They used to call themselves the Wizards of Oz. You know, OSS, Wizards of Oz. Officer Paul Hoffman doubled as head of the ACUI in the late 50s. The State Department also played a role. A memo from the European section dated June 11, 1965, advised Vice President of the European Economic Community, Robert Marjolin, uh, to pursue monetary union by stealth. By stealth, that means by secrecy. Never tell the public what you're up to. Recommends suppressing debate until the point at which the adoption of such proposals would become virtually inescapable. I've got many other documents too at the time and before that, and, and I've got even documents from the some of the bureaucracies that were set up in Britain in 1948 for um, the, the secretive uh, setting up of a massive bureaucracy quiet. Uh, unelected, of course, naturally, but very secretive, huge, massive bureaucracy to help bring eventually step by step Britain into this 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 trap. <laughs> Incredible, really. And this is all again pri- mainly private funding by those who control the world's wealth. And remember, too, what Karl Rove says: for those who still believe that you, your vote matters, I've said if voting really helped the people, it would be made illegal. I say that every time it's voting time, uh, in any country, by the way. When George Bush Jr. was in, I call him Jr., it's much easier to recognize him then, because in family dynasties seemed to also work as presidents and the CIA. And again, you don't vote for the CIA. Even the politicians can't find out what they're up to most of the time. Just like you'll find with the drugs for guns scandal that went on with Ollie North and, and during Regan's day, you had the school of the Americas on the go into Latin America all over the place, torturing people, killing people, even raping people. And, and as a reign of terror, by the way, the same system as the Russians used in the Soviet system, reign of terror. Maybe even worse and longer lasting, maybe, who knows? You wouldn't believe what, what, what really goes on by these secretly based, these secret organizations that run you. And they run your media too. But you find that they, they give you your reality through what you call the media and through entertainment too. And occasionally you, you get some of them admitting to it, for instance. Obviously. I believe that Karl Rove put this out this worker with government and uh, for, for creating your realities. And it says, the aide said that guys like me, Tom, this is from a reporter, this aide, I think it's Karl Rove, um, said that guys like me were in what we call the reality-based community, which he defined as people who believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. I nodded and murmured something about enlightenment principles and empiricism. He cut me off. That's not the way the world really works anymore. This, this is, again, in, in, when Bush Jr. was in, with his wars that uh, folk couldn't figure out. And anyway, it says, he continued, we are an empire now, meaning America, we are an empire now. Or we who control the, the whole system, right? Again, you're into the secretive organization, this world system. 
We are an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. This is why you get these strange phrases that come out of the media all the time from the top. They make no sense to you. So when we act, we create our own reality. And when you're studying that reality, which you're given, everybody's sitting trying to pick it to pieces. When you're studying that reality, judiciously, as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. And you look at what happened, what is still happening in Syria, and they're back in there, and so on. And you've had ISIS, you've had, you've had Al-Qaeda groups, say, then you've had rebel freedom fight, you've had all na- kinds of name changes for the same masses of mercenaries. To fool you, all funded by the West, the Britain and the US, financially trained and fed and clothed and given all their munitions and so on, to keep attacking First Libya for them, and then Syria, the same ones, the same countries that were on the list in the 90s. They have to be taken out, you see. And they'll never give up on it. Massives. And they keep, you're meant to be fooled. We keep changing our reality, and you'll study it. They'll change it again. Or they're ISIS today. No, they're ISIL today. No, they're ICE today. Yes. <laughs> or they're freedom fighters today. See? Same thing. Remember, the first duty of propaganda by your own government is to fool the domestic population, not the enemy. The enemy knows it. They're on the end of it, they're seeing the end of it. They know what's going on. It's to fool your domestic population to go along with whatever it is. And as always, I've prattled on too much already. I'm sorry about that. So um, I didn't even mean to go off. It's such a long-winded thing, or or tirades I did today, but uh, it happened. So remember, buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughMedias.com and help me just stick along there. Also, anybody out there who's selling my stuff, uh, don't do it. Don't sell. I put my stuff out for free. Don't do that. You can't do that, you know. It's, um, it's wrong. Uh, even for a personal stance, you should know. You obviously know it's wrong. But remember, too, as I say, the folks who want to buy the books, discs, and so on, or just donate to me, going to CuttingThroughBeauties.com. You'll see the sites I have, and there are my sites. These are my official sites, none other. You could donate to me and help me tick along, as I say. And sorry for just prattling on in a whole long-winded kind of way today, but I wasn't even prepared for anything. I never am prepared, really. And I'm doing an awful lot to get ready for this awful winter, which is just coming on, naturally. So I hope you're all doing okay. And for myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada... It's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.